So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales, or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on but when it's like oh we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening it's like very different (laughs) and there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves greek gods and goddesses regency era historical fiction for you sam and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to explore dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up dipsystories.com slash just break up look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like talking about sex, baby. <laughs> discrediting youth, being the rebound, and turning it around halfway through the storm. But first, we want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're talking about. Nope. We don't know what we're doing. Nope. We have no experience or qualifications. We definitely have experience, (laughs) if you know what I mean. True, but not in like any sort of paid way. Right. No, no one has ever paid me to date them. In fact, (laughs) it's probably been the other way around. Honestly, though, emotionally, I can, <laughs> physically, and financially taxing. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> this is all to say, please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 37. Mm-hmm. That's right. Holy moly, 37. Okay. So what is our check-in topic for today? Our check-in topic for today is... (laughs) I love when you ask yourself a question and then answer it. (laughs) Yeah, that's literally like, should I break up with someone? Yes. Our check-in for the topic today is inspired by a letter, and the letter, I'm going to paraphrase the letter for you. The letter is from Unreasonably Annoyed, who is writing to us from the UK, and Mm. basically they're saying they're with this partner... Yeah, they've been they've been with their partner for a chunk of time, mm-hmm. and um, like 
they're they for the first six months of their relationship or so the 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 significant other the partner was like oh my god i'm gonna marry you mm-hmm. we're gonna get married someday you're gonna be my wife right yeah and now move down the line a little bit more down time they're starting to get more serious and they're talking about marriage and all of a sudden he's kind of like balking like he's like uh you know talking about like i'm not sure if i want to be tied down or like it just costs so much money i don't want to like that traditional lifestyle yada yada and unreasonably annoyed is basically like um am i being unreasonable or do i have a right to feel like i've been misled mm-hmm. and they add as a feminist it makes um them feel like a bit of a phony yeah um so i want to just talk about marriage in general yeah. i want to talk about disclosing your your feelings about marriage um or talking about it in relationships mm-hmm. um and i want to talk about feminism in marriage <laughs> yeah great can we add like queerness in that as well yeah totally great okay so first uh marriage yeah you're um, married. <laughs> I told Peter I was never going to get married. And I then remember. We got married, so yeah, I'm just saying people can change their minds about it. Um, Fair. Marriage is a dumb institution. I will say that. What does it mean? I'm not really sure, but I am it. <laughs> <laughs> so profound, really, folks. We are professionals. Like we should be paid to be public speakers. Um, I don't know what about, but I am it. <laughs> <laughs> but even like. Getting ready for the wedding, I was like, I don't really understand what this institution is. So you proposed to Peter. Yeah. Can, can you tell me what led you to that point? Because when you, I remember the day, the place I was when you said you were going to propose. Oh. We were at the 19, which is the oldest gay bar in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. It was in December of yeah. 2017. No. Yeah. 16. <laughs> yeah totally yeah okay um well here's the thing is that like i knew that i loved peter and that i didn't want to be with anyone else i wanted to i knew that marriage was important to him and i was like i want to celebrate this love and this decision that we're making with all of our friends and family yeah so you wanted to put a ring on it you wanted to lock it down eh. <laughs> I'm not super concerned about that. I was like, I wanted to make a, a gesture, a gesture of my love for Peter. Right. I'm not con- like I don't. I'm not trying to lock anybody anywhere because that's kidnapping. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but I wanted to sense. be like, I wanted to be like, hey, I'm in this for. And we're talking about a grand haul. gesture. We're not talking about like a flick of your hair. You know. No. <laughs> no. That was. Which is looking great so today, just much. for everybody keeping score at home. Oh, thank you. I didn't shower today. Doing good. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, it can't be a small gesture because let me tell you, weddings are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't have to be. They don't. But that also might be but like a dick. you have to dick... lower your expectations. Yeah, that might just be like a dick pretentious thing of me to say who someone who is not married because... Oh, and let me, let's talk about wedding shame, too. Like oh, yeah. People who are, are like, oh, you spent that much. And other people who are like, oh, you're having your like wedding in that place. Yeah. And it's like, there's no winning when it comes to shame weddings. Shame is everywhere. <laughs> shame is everywhere. Even um, though ours was like wonderful and perfect and I loved oh, every minute so of it. Perfect. But it was like well, way more money than I wanted to spend. Totally. And there were some people that judged us for it. Really? Mm-hmm. Ugh, fuck them. Yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about marriage. 
from your opinion of it. Oh, my opinion is, um, I think I feel very similarly to you in that, or I think I align more with Peter, meaning yeah. like I think that I would, I'd like to get married one day. Um, but how I align is the idea of this big commitment, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to share a quick thing that kind of shifted my perspective on marriage. Um, so I'm not going to disclose anybody, but so... Uh, there was a couple that I knew who had been together for a really long time. We're talking 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And around that time, there was an infidelity in, oh. the, in the partnership. And they stayed together. But years after the infidelity, after the which took a long time to work through, um, one of the partners told the other that they kind of, they, they were engaged at a time, at, at a time, but because it was a same-sex partnership, you know, 20 years ago, yeah, right. uh, they never actually got married because it wasn't legal. Mm -hmm. And um, and they just they just never got around to it. They never made it a priority to make that actual commitment to each other. Sure. And the cheater had said, and don't get me wrong, like we could talk about like excuses and whatever, but I actually believe this. The cheater said that that they wished they had gotten married because it, it might have shifted something in their in their feeling of how they carried them. Okay, fine. You can roll your eyes all you want, but <laughs> that's I'm gonna, fair. I'm going to call a little bit of bullshit on no, that. No, no, but it wasn't an excuse. It was like a, a regret. Like, I wish we got married, mm. you know, um, because there is a difference. There's a difference. You are, you are committed to Peter in a different way right now. Do you feel that way? No. Oh, interesting. I'd really like people are like, how does it feel to be married? And I was like, I'm just as committed as I was before. True that. Except for True now. That. The state of Minnesota just gives me money for being married married in my tax refund. God damn it. <laughs> Anybody want to wipe me up? Our car insurance is so much cheaper. Really? Yeah. Like crazy cheaper. Ugh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> which is, let's talk about how that's fucked up. That is fucked up. I'm with that, you. That like married people are inherently worth more money or trust. Yeah. Ugh, I hate that. And the whole tax, like the taxing really like pisses me off because I know it's about like children out of wedlock. Like, it's about, like, married couples, like, being married and having children somehow makes their children, like, Less better legitimate. members of society yeah. or whatever. Bullshit. Which Bullshit. is just, like, fuck you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I do want to talk about something about disclosing. Like, when did you and Peter talk about wanting to get married? Pretty early on. Like, six months in. Really? Like, Were the you idea even of, calling like, him your boyfriend? <laughs> shut up. Yes. <laughs> We weren't talking about it like we weren't talking about getting married to each other, but we had a conversation about, about our marriage. feelings on marriage yeah. in which I told him I am never getting married. And he was like, well, <laughs> let me work on that. <laughs> let me work on that by putting out the toaster every day for you. That's right. Yeah. Um, for me, a negative experience I have with that, that I can relate to the unreasonably uh, annoyed mm -hmm. listener um, is that one of my more recent relationships, that person kind of like use that as a way to like brainwash me, I think, <laughs> to be like, girl, I'm going to marry you. Like, we're going to get married. We're meant to be together. Like, I want to make you my wife. Like, and I said, I, I heard that so often that I began believing that more than the person's actual actions. Mm. Um, and mm. to be totally honest, that person dumped me. <laughs> 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 because I didn't have the gall to like, you know, put up better boundaries for God. myself. Um, and so I relate to unreasonably, unreasonably annoyed because 
while you're totally right, people change. And in hindsight, it's like, yes, people are allowed to break up. We had an unhealthy relationship, yada, yada, yada. I, in that moment, in that pain, I was like, you made me feel crazy mm-hmm. because you were presenting so many, like you were presenting this like it was real and now it's not real. Yep. Spoiler alert, that's just fucking humans. <laughs> that's just life. Yeah. That we change constantly and and that like, I can hold a lot of things against him. I can't hold that against him. Hmm. I can't hold the fact that he he thought broke up with he, me. Oh, yeah, and that yeah. he thought that he thought he wanted to marry me, and then he changed his mind. I just can't yeah. hold no, that against legit. him. Yep. I can be pissed about it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you can be reasonably annoyed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Unreasonably annoyed. You can be reasonably annoyed at this, but not unreasonably. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think. I think the thing is, is that like, again, this is about being clear about what is important to you, having open and honest communication and like unreasonably annoyed. If you are annoyed by this, like you can talk about why marriage is important to you Mm -hmm. and like why this is meaningful for you. And maybe you can. And if with that understanding, maybe he will make a different decision. Yeah. But at the end of the day, weddings are expensive. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a whole other episode. Seriously. Yeah. I would like to get married one day, mostly because I want to force you into being my best man, in which Ooh. you will have to say something nice in front of me, in front of my whole friends and family. Yeah, no, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> It'll be like blown away. I, this is, I withhold love so that when I actually like give it, it's like, ah! That is so sociopathic, <laughs> and I'm so glad that I have a recording of you saying that. You are going to feel so ashamed when you listen to this. <laughs> yes! Vindication. Um, no, but that is how I get pets to like me. Oh, you withhold love? Yep. That is true. Um, I also feel like I need to clarify that I am not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't withhold my love from no, you. No, you don't. Absolutely not. <laughs> Just verbally and constantly. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is a great episode so far. Why am what? I looking at the script? It's like, are we going to start over? Are we just... (laughs) Jesus. She almost filled her coffee, (laughs) y'all. Don't tell Spencer. All right. Uh, Let's get into our letters, friends, before I giggle my way out of this chair. Our first letter is from Marie C., who is writing to us from Earth. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Me too, girl. I live there, too. Oh, my God. What's your address? (laughs) We're probably neighbors. All right, Marie. Hi. Marie writes, hello, Sam and Sierra. I have been listening since the beginning, so this is pretty surreal. Oh, my God. I love that. Thanks for being an OG fan. Absolutely. Um, My question is about sexual boundaries. I know they are very important. And up until recently, I thought that I was getting leaps and bounds better at placing boundaries in general. But then I had a pregnancy scare and realized how much I was uncomfortable with having just the pull-out method of sex with my sexual partner. I was chastised for this from a friend, and it was wasn't until then that I knew that I had been shoving down my own discomfort to give him, my partner, as much pleasure as possible, even though he said that it was my comfort was the most important thing. I guess knowing that he didn't love to wear condoms and also having to remind him to put one on just made my inner world one of so much people-pleasing discomfort that I shoved down my own fear. Mm. My sexual partner, a friend with benefits types of situ- type of situation, brought up that we shouldn't have sex until I know my boundaries better. And I agreed. But my question is, how do I get over this? And, and, and how do I get there? Obviously, this is a problem. 
but I refused to even look at it until I was, I refused to even look at it until I was forced to, part in due to social and individual conditioning that my pain or discomfort isn't worth as much as someone else's pleasure. Preach, girl. Fuck. You already got me. And in part due to years of major depression where I was scared of everything and had to live in a world of discomfort in order to stay living. I feel like my instincts from these things are whacked out, or at least I don't know how to give myself permission to trust them. Help? Marie, I got you, girl. First of, first of all, I just want to val- validate the fuck out of... Um, the idea, uh, p- particularly for women, and I'd love to hear your insight on this, but for, for me, my understanding as a woman in the sexual world, like my job as a teenager, I like I'm talking, I started having six, sex when I was 16 and at 16 years old and younger, I thought my job was to be sexy, mm-hmm. attractive. Mm-hmm. I thought that my, I owed my prettiness to the world. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to sexual relationships, like my first boyfriend, like I just thought my job was to be a vessel of pleasure for him. Mm. Yeah. Right. And it was and and I'm not talking about like that do, feeling that way consensually. Right. I, I'm not talking about unconsensual either. I'm saying like it was so unconscious. Yeah. It was like uh, such a folding of myself and yep. my my body and my pleasure and my right to pleasure mm-hmm. um, that I totally relate with Marie in that we are not taught to voice any type of dis, uh, of discomfort when it comes to sexual situations because um, everything like our voice is shoved down to the bottom of the list of things when it comes to someone else's pleasure, their view of us, our appealing, you know, our sexiness, th- their accessibility to us. That all takes a precedent over our own discomfort and pleasure. Absolutely. And I mean, that's clearly what society and others have taught us to right. like to feel that way. And Do you so- feel that way in in <clears throat> gay male relationships at all? I think that there's weird power dynamics in in gay relationships. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I felt that way. Okay. Um, but I know that there are that that there are yeah, people that I, do. I do think I I for sure. Yeah, this is good. I for sure feel like that type of um, putting your own discomfort and pleasure down at the bottom of that totem pole yep. is is can be a common thing for any gender or identity. For sure. Um, and I said, so this is like ingrained, right? This is this is what society has taught us. So I want to forgive you and ask yourself to forgive yourself yep. Yep. <laughs> for the fact that this didn't get shaken loose until you had the pregnancy scare. Right. right. Like, it's not like how could it exactly like it was ingrained. It's not your fault that you were not aware of it, because that is what has been taught. And now what's great is that you have this opportunity to have this moment of of sort of self-awareness and be like, wait a minute, this is not what I want. Right. And now you get to change your behavior going forward. So everything I'm like, it's it's painful to me that you had to go through those times where you weren't even aware of it. But I don't want you to blame yourself for for doing something that you didn't want to do, because that's just what you have been taught to do by society, by right. your parents, by everyone around you. So, like, don't feel bad about that and just use the shakeup to to figure out what you want and to totally. move forward Ooh, the shakeup. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I think you're tapping into something 
uh, one of the things that we wanted to kind of like tag on to this letter, we wanted to add like two extra topics to this conversation of sex, which is reconciling with your sexual past mm. and how to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know a lot of people struggle between the line of like clinically talking about it or talking about it sexually or in, in like dirty talk yep. um, or at all because it's so uncomfortable yeah. um, for so many people. Uh, But I want to echo kind of what we're saying is that, like, folks out there, your job in sex, in intimacy, is not to be Mm -hmm. self-sacrificing. And it's okay to want uh, pleasure. And it's okay to be uncomfortable and voice that discomfort. Because it's not just, like, I think we want to lift up the good narrative. The the good narrative is like, yeah, touch me there. Mm -hmm. I like that. That feels good. But that also has to include, I'm uncomfortable. This hurts me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. No. Like, we have to uplift both sides of the of the conversation mm-hmm. um so how do we talk i want to talk really quickly about reconciling your sexual past and you touched on it right there about how marie should feel about herself now yeah <laughs> i mean we all do things in our past that we are like a little bit squeamish about yeah <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you're a bad person and it doesn't mean that it has to change like it doesn't mean that it has to um like color your future sexual engagement right you can you in every moment you get to decide how you show up sexually and what you want sexually right right? and no matter what you did in the past that doesn't that doesn't matter in this moment so if you agreed to uh have sex without condoms before and now you're like i don't like that anymore like i'm uncomfortable with that you get to say we're only having sex with condoms because what you did in the past doesn't matter right there's this weird I don't know. It's like a it's like a peer pressure pressure feeling, Mm -hmm. I think, that we are taught to feel at a really young age, which is that all your sexual partners like follow you around like ghosts. Yeah. You know, that like that you come and and lay in bed with your new partner and there's like 10 other people at the foot of your bed just being like, hey, remember that time you, you know, gave me a (laughs) It's like, what are we going to say here? (laughs) Anyway, um, and that's just not real. That's not real. Yeah. Like your body is whole right now. Mm -hmm. And although we are impacted by things that happen to us and that they affect the the makeup of our psyche and sometimes they can leave physical scars on our body or 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 non-physical scars on the way that we want to respond to things in the future. We are still whole. We are still um, ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We're not tainted. We're not dirty. We're not impure. Um, they don't follow you around like little, right. I don't know, things that follow. <laughs> like the movie, It Follows. Yeah, I could talk about that bullshit for like 28 <laughs> hours. First of all, I love scary movies. It was a beautiful scary movie, but it was so fucked up and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Okay, anyway, Marie, um, so let's talk about how to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want to encourage people, even if you're uncomfortable with it right now, that discomfort will not go away unless you start leaning into that discomfort. And, yep. and, unless you're like, OK, I'm going to commit to feeling uncomfortable for the first six months of this talking about sex. Yep. Right. Or first three days or first three minutes of it. And I promise it will get easier. Yep. And you can start talking about sex by talking about the very basics with your partner early on. How do you like to have sex? Mm-hmm. When do you like to have sex? When in the day do you feel most like 
uh, having sex? Mm-hmm. Uh, what turns you on? Um, what is your sexual history if you're comfortable sharing it with me? Mm-hmm. I promise I'm not going to hold it against you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you, what are your shame? What are your shame triggers about sex? What will what what makes you feel uncomfortable? What are your preferences? Like it can be really really simple questions that actually are like sexy and playful and help you get to know that person. Yep. Right? Does this feel good? Do you like this? Mm-hmm. And we have had a couple questions in the past about one partner wanting to talk about it clinically and the other partner wanting like not being turned off by the clinical conversation. Like instead of calling it oral sex, they want to call it head. But the other person found solace in the clinical conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have anything to suggest for that type of language or barrier, I guess? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, I think that it's like, no, absolutely. I think that it is hard because like some people are really turned off by like, by the dirty words. And like some people are like, what we're doing is not oral sex. Like right, stop right. referring to it in that like scientific way. Right. Um, and maybe it's a difference like between like there's got to be compromise in there. Maybe mm-hmm. you talk about it clinically when you're not having sex. And then when you are having sex, you use the dirty words. Right. right? Um, finding some sort of middle ground there. But I think sex is like is squeamish. Like it's something that I think elicits a lot of feelings in people, particularly around shame and embarrassment and like. Ooh, that's icky. Yeah. Right. And so and like, oh, my God, I don't want to admit that I want that or that that feels good. Right. And I think that's why it's very it is important to trust the person that you are having sex with and like feeling comfortable enough with them to be able to say things that that society has taught us not to say. Right. And um, yeah, Marie, I would even suggest practicing these words like, hey, I'd like to wear a condom tonight. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to wear a condom. Practice saying them because you have to normalize it in your own mouth. That sounds Absolutely. crazy, but it's true. And the I'm, and if you have to keep reminding him to put the condom on, then like he's a scrub. Like, <laughs> that's inappropriate because like if you say from now on, I would only like to have sex with condoms. He's not. He can't forget that. He can't forget that. Right. And so, if he does, that's bullshit. It's bullshit. And also the idea that sex is less pleasurable with a condom on is bullshit. <laughs> I'm just calling it out right now. Like, no, 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 no. You can still have very pleasurable sex with the condom on. Why is this a myth that we decided is true? I To this day, I believe it. Because I'm like, oh, like numbs it. Yeah. Yeah. They put numbing solution on it. <laughs> no, so I that meant it, like, like, it's like, like, it's like less sensitive. Yeah. Okay. I. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway. Well, but you know what? Like to... Everyone who uses condoms out there, like, maybe it's like a good life lesson to have to wait really long to come. Because trust me, your girl has probably done it for 20 years. Seriously. Um, there was something else that I was going to say, but I got really worked up about that because it's just like, uh, bullshit. Yeah. Um, anyway, Marie, we hope that this brings some, at least some comfort, right? That like, uh-huh. there's, you have nothing to feel ashamed of. Oh, I remember it. Oh, go. <laughs> Which is also that I want to challenge a little bit the idea that you have to be like in a perfect headspace and know exactly what you want before you start having sex again. Yep. Because part of learning about what you like and what you don't like is from the experience of doing it. And that goes for dating, relationships, for sure. any type of intimacy. Right. So so the idea that we have to be the perfect person before we can engage with others is not true. Right. 
And it's okay for you to have experiences that you don't like in sex. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that the sex was bad. Like if there's something that is like, oh, I don't like that, you can say, I don't like that, and it can stop, right? You can try new things without feeling like you've done something horrible to yourself if you don't like it. So if if you want to try something different and it's like, oh, no, that's not working for me, you're still a good person. You still are having good sex. You are still learning about yourself. And And, that's great. And trust me, um, for those of you out there who are like, whoop, that sounds like Trigger City. (laughs) um, Sam and I are both survivors of sexual assault. And we understand that this is a very nuanced thing that we're putting our bodies through and that our bodies have muscle memory and things can be really confusing and triggering. For sure. Um, But I totally agree with Sam that we don't have to be like pure, fixed like 100% all-knowing healthy beings before we try to figure out what we like again. Like You have a permission to explore. You have a permission to say no. You have a permission to say stop. You have a permission to be uncomfortable. Allow yourself to allow yourself to be someone's discomfort. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we're just taught so much in sex and beyond that. Like our job on earth is to not uh, make anyone uncomfortable. Absolutely. And that's and you, not real. And right. it's and it's not realistic. Yes. And you have the right to try something and say, no, I don't like that. Right. Right. Like, I think we just get so worked up and like, you have to be like, you have to know exactly what you want and anything outside of that is bad. And it's like, no, you try things and then you get to say, I don't like that. And then it gets to stop. Right. right. Like that, that is how you learn about the different modes of pleasure that you like. Right. Right. Marie, I hope this brings you some comfort and empowerment and encouragement. We believe in you. Uh, we believe in this journey, and we hope you continue it. You're you're at the you are at the exact right place that you need to be. Absolutely. And we're glad that you are present during all this the shakeout or whatever Sam has called it. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. 
The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter is from Sammy, who's writing from The Void. Sammy writes, So I am 23 years old, but I don't look my age, and it doesn't help that I don't have the money to fix my crooked teeth. Despite having already graduated from college, another English major, what up, and holding down a serious full-time job as a reporter, I am frequently mistaken for being in my late teens. While on the job, I get asked if I'm doing this for a class project, if I'm an intern, or where in the area I go to school. Mm. When people hear my real age, the response is usually... All that of surprise, and it's starting to really get to me because I want to be taken seriously. Now, I'm finally considering re-entering the dating scene for the first time in a while, but if I can't be taken seriously at my job, I can't even imagine how I'm going to be taken seriously or seen as attractive as a woman, Mm. not a girl, to men my age. Men my age look like, well, men, and apparently I do not look woman enough. I've considered dating apps, but I'm also worried that men will meet me in person, see my crooked teeth, and even and be even further turned off. I'm fully confident in myself as a person, but confidence in my appearance is certainly lacking right now. I don't know what to do, so I guess I'm just looking for advice or encouragement. I don't necessarily think that I'm not attractive, but right now, not unattractive just doesn't feel like enough. Mm. I want to be taken seriously both as an adult and as a viable romantic partner. Sammy, thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter. Absolutely. Um, what's weird is that I feel like Sam and I relate to a lot of the, our letters for different reasons, and we wicked relate to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, we are both people who l- don't look our age, yep. and it sounds like you have an even more drastic version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you're a working professional who looks like a teenager, that's fucking, it's hard. It it's is. It's just yep. hard. Yep. Um, And so Sam and I are going to first just commiserate with you and talk about, particularly in the workplace, um, I think Sam and I both really uh, relate to this and want to share in that experience of how frustrating it is to look young in the workplace and why. For sure. Well, I think, so I uh, 
often look younger than I actually am, mm-hmm. um, especially when I shave my beard. Yeah, you look like a child. <laughs> no offense. Um, and I think also, like, it sounds like you might be in the same place, but, like, I also got pretty well established in my career earlier on than I think many of my colleagues did. Yes. Um, and so it has been an uphill battle trying to convince people that just because I look young and even, frankly, am younger than many of my colleagues doesn't mean that I don't have the same amount of skills to bring to the position, doesn't mean that I don't have the legitimacy to be there. Um, And it is hard because I think that people, especially when it comes to workplaces, tend to discredit youth as being... um, as just like having less experience, right. uh, your ideas being less valued because they are um, they aren't grounded in 25 years on the job or whatever right. it looks like. Um, and so it is really hard and it can be really demoralizing to go into work day after day and be like, not only do I have to um, do the work that I'm required to do, but also I have to do it knowing that people think that I'm not equipped to do it. Totally. Demoralizing is the exact perfect word. Because you you can't. It's not just that I have to prove myself by my work. Mm-hmm. It's that I have to go above and above, beyond, do a great job, and on top of it, be like, oh, by the way, I'm in my 30s or right. I'm in my late 20s. Um, because you feel like they're not actually going to take you perf- like yeah. take you seriously, and it's a respect thing too. Like all of us in this conversation right now, Sammy included, like we all look younger than our actual physical age, which don't get me wrong. A lot of people out there are going to be like, oh, it's such a privilege. Yes, but, like, and so that, hard for and you that to is look true. Young. You know what? I, I have great genes. <laughs> uh, like, cool. Yes, it is. It is. There is a privilege. But the reality is all lived experiences have multiple um, angles that that people don't understand. Sure. So, we're, so we're kind of we're unpacking this to our own lived experience because it has been. Um, demoralizing and frustrating. Absolutely. Uh, how many times have I been like uh, described as the young um, emerging writer or something <laughs> right, like yeah. that? Um, like, oh, look, it's almost like cute. Like, yep. oh, look cu- how cool this is um, that she's she gets to try this before she has her big girl job. <laughs> I've, I've literally had someone say to me, um, it's so cool that you get to do this before you're older. Um, and they're like, th- the idea of like traveling and writing a book, um, they thought, they think of it inherently as like a, a young person, like I'm going to be a starving artist and like live off of a yeah. boxcar. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and adding the fact that I, that I, that we all look young. When you look young, people, it, it is, it is a, we talk about a lot of phobias here and we talk about a lot of um, cultural bigotry or systems that we kind of have to work against or unpack. We were just talking about sex and sex shame. Yep. Another thing that we come against is that people like to um, devalue the voices and opinions of young people because they haven't had the lived experience to back it up. But my work in youth advocacy makes me so confident in the fact that like a young person is an expert in their experience. Right. Exactly. They might not know how to balance their checkbook. They might not have the hindsight that a lot that people have that they've lived. For sure. But we we devalue their opinion because it's like, oh, you're young, you don't know any better. Yep. When in reality, like they know they know their 
reality as well as they can right there. Yep. And the only way that you can empower a young person is by believing them. I'm getting a little off track. Sammy, we know you're not young. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I wanted to point out that the fact that looking younger than you are is so frustrating yep. is because we don't value young people to begin with. For sure. In the same way that we don't value people of color, we don't right. value women, we don't value trans and non-binary people, right? Like, there are so many different systems at play here that undermine the skills, experience, and expertise of of people who aren't old, rich, white, cis men. Right. Right. And so, um, and so, just want to create space for that too, uh, as well, because this isn't this isn't something that is unique to people who are young or look young, totally. right? Um, and that there is uh, an impetus on us to come in with solidarity. Uh, for for other folks who are experiencing discrimination in different ways and in many ways in in ways that are much harsher. Yeah, exactly. So let's shift this energy now to romance, because I think that Sammy has a really uh, valid has valid anxiety, right, yep. um, that sh- they have seen this. Um, prejudice happen at work it has been exhausting mm-hmm. you know to constantly have to prove yourself or feel like you are um invalid or or not as respected and then on top of that um going into dating and feeling like that you don't look like the type of people you want to attract mm-hmm. like that's hard that is really hard that's really hard and and i'm not sure what advice sam will have sammy but <laughs> i think one thing i want to say is that uh in in addition to the frustration um, of the fact that, that you can't change this, right? You can't change the way you look. Yeah. In addition to doing the head and heart work to accept that, um, the, the one thing you can change is how you give yourself self-compassion how you big yourself up mm-hmm. and how you allow yourself radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I, and I hope this doesn't come off condescending because it's really hard. Sometimes y'all write us letters and they're, it's hard. It's hard to give you guys advice because it's, it's, we want to more say like, yeah, that sucks. Yep. We see you, mm-hmm. we validate this. We're with you. And, and I want to say that. And, and the, and I want to say that genuinely. And I want to add what I would love to see for you in this difficult quandary that you're in is that you're fucking proud of yourself. Yeah. You built up this career. You have um, overcome these obstacles of people not respecting you. Yeah. Right. Like there's no fucking ugh, like that is such an obstacle to get over is people underestimating you as a person. Yeah. And then you have the strength and courage to get out into the dating world and Again, the only thing that can actually change here is your attitude towards yourself. Mm-hmm. And I hope that doesn't sound like a fucking Hallmark Starbucks coffee <laughs> mug because I mean it with my whole heart that like that the thing that has to shift is like I'm a badass bitch. Like mm-hmm. I am gorgeous. I'm smart. I'm funny. I am good at X, Y and Z. I built up my career and I'm great at my job. Yep. And if if they can't see that. Well, first of all, if you can't see that, then nobody else will. Yep. Is that cliche? It feels cliche, but it's fucking true, right? Yeah, it is. Unfortunate, but yep. true. Yeah. And if they don't see it, then it doesn't have it doesn't 
have any bearing on whether or not those things are true. Right. Right. They're still true, even if those assholes out there don't see it. Right. Um, yeah. And I will say, like, this really sucks right now. I think, you know, there is some stuff that that you can do to change some of the self-talk to to embrace your inner badass and the the beautiful, wonderful, attractive, dateable, lovable person that you are. Um, but I also just want to say f- in an in the least patronizing way possible that it does get better. Like as you continue to grow in your career and become more established, like people will continue yeah. to respect you more. Um I think that like it becomes easier to date like once you're out of your early 20s. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. I really do. <laughs> and so like in in the, the least patronizing, least cliche what possible way possible, like I want to uh, own the like hold the fact that this really sucks with and be you. like, I'm with you on this. This yep. really does suck. And also just to say, because I think it's 100 percent true that like it will get better. Yeah. Your career will get better. You'll feel more comfortable in your body. Yep. Um, and I guess the last thing I want to say is that Sam and I are rooting for you. Oh, yeah. Like, put that dating profile together. I think you should. Yeah. Yeah, don't sell, like, don't take yourself out of the running just because you think that you're not going to go far, right? Like, right. you don't know until you get out there and see what's happening. And if it becomes at a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore, fine. But I think that... I think that not putting yourself out there because you think that people won't like you just sets yourself up to to like not have anyone, right. like to not go on dates. You miss a hundred percent percent of the shots that you don't take. Yeah, let's go, coach. <laughs> <laughs> so get out there, get on the free throw line. Oh my god, Start Sam is so uncomfortable. Shooting some baskets. Yep, good job, athletes. Hundred <laughs> percent athletes here. That's me. Yeah, I was in basketball for one year, and they. Uh, the whole team decided that they had to keep giving me the ball because I hadn't scored a single time in the entire year oh that God, I was were there. You so traumatized. It was horrifying <gasps> because like the other team scored like twelve points before I even like got it into the basket. Oh my God, <laughs> charity! Oh my God. Anyway, um, back to you, Sammy. Yeah, back to you. Uh, we believe in you, um, and and most of all, I believe in this journey of self-compassion towards yourself. Like, look in the mirror. I'm a badass bitch. Yep, absolutely. Wake up in the morning like, I've got this. Yep. Sign into that dating app and say, I hope you guys are ready to meet a really awesome woman. Yeah. Because that's, that's what great. you are. Yep. You're a grown-ass, badass woman. Absolutely. We love you. Thanks for writing. Thank you. All right. Our next letter is from Dave J., who is writing to us from The Void. Okay. The other side of the rebound. You have talked about rebounding rebounding on a recent episode from the perspective of the rebounder, but I was recently the reboundee, and I have some questions about this. A few months ago, a woman I've been friends with, uh, with along with her now ex, invited me over and asked to kiss me. I had had a long crush on her, and she said that she had had feelings for me for a while as well. I went for it, and we we found out we really liked each other. We decided to go on some dates, but put things on hold until we told her ex, who is still her business partner. He was very upset, almost traumatized by the news, and began to act cruelly towards her. In this time, I became not only a romantic interest to her, but also an emotional support for her to deal with her his emotional abuse. She was grateful and continued to tell me all the reasons she liked me, and we continued to see each other for a couple more months, unbeknownst to her ex. 
She was still adamant that she wanted to go slow and that our relationship was not official or exclusive. Nonetheless, I grew more and more attached to her and found that I liked her more than I have ever liked anyone in many, many years. But she began to grow distant, and I could sense that she was not ready for a boyfriend. She started to ignore my texts on occasions, but then would call and say she wanted me to come over and even insisted that we go on a trip together, very hot and cold. It started to mess with my emotions, so I came to the terms with the fact that she was not ready to ready at all to commit and needed to work on herself. So... I cut it off before she could, and she admitted that she'd been thinking we needed to stop seeing each other, too. Since, we have had limited contact other than a text she sent me telling me how good I was to her, how I helped her find herself, and how thankful she was for me. Basically, I was a rebound guy. So my question is, while I was a rebound guy, do you think there might be some hope for us down the line? Or should I just accept the fact that she unknowingly was using me for validation and affection in the wake of her previous relationship? Do you think there might be hope? What should I do to make that happen? I know I'm capable of moving on, but our connection did feel real, and I don't want to just give it up on something that felt really meaningful. Dave, thank you so much for writing uh, and for the gentle call out that we didn't really take the reboundies perspective <laughs> into account when we were talking about rebounds. Um, yeah. Because it, it can be awful to to think someone either intentionally or unintentionally used us for for validation and to to get over the person that they yeah. just broke up with. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a good understanding of like why that happens. Um, and it sounds like you're very compassionate to this woman. You obviously still have feelings for her. Mm -hmm. But I want to take this moment to make sure you understand that just because she is incapable of being in a relationship with you right now doesn't mean you are unlovable by any means. No. Right? And and I think you know that. But I also want to say that the connection that you had with her, the connection that you felt, just because it was a rebound, just because of the timing of it, and just because she acknowledged she learned a lot from your relationship but couldn't commit to it, yep. that doesn't make any of it not real. Yeah. I think my only quandary with the idea of a rebound is that it, it is inherently less valuable right. or fake or insincere. Yep. But And don't get me wrong, we do learn through other people so much, but a lot of those lessons are very real and tangible. And, and obviously there are negative impacts on other people a lot, mm -hmm. but... I don't know. I just want to I just want to validate that, that yeah. um, it was real. What you had was real. Mm -hmm. Now, do Sam and I think you should hold out for that or should you should hope for it in the future? I don't. <laughs> Sam? I would agree with you on okay. that one. I don't mean to be so harsh about that, but I just don't. I'm not saying you couldn't get back together one day in the future. Mm hmm. But right now, she cannot use you or the comfort of your love to grow. She needs to grow in the discomfort of not having you. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want you to put your life on hold um, in the hopes that something will happen, right? Like you are a person who has a lot to give to this world. Right. And if she's not ready to accept that or if she's unable to accept that, I don't want you to waste it on her anymore, right? Right. I want you to to spend time getting to know yourself better, working on the head and heart work. And I want you to to go out and meet someone who's going to be able to accept that love and accept that kindness and generosity and not have to um, to sort of give it away because because she's not 
ready or able to to accept that love. Right. Totally. I think you should try to take control of the narrative that she didn't like use an abuse like uh, what's the word like I can't remember the phrase per usual (laughs) (laughs) the idiom Um, like uh, like when you go over to somebody like not dine and dash but like uh, he didn't quit it. No, that's not what I meant. Okay, I don't know. The phrase of like, um, uh, when you come over to somebody's house and then you leave really fast. Hit it and quit it. That is a sexual thing, <laughs> and I'm not talking about that. Maybe dine and dine dash? Dine and dash, yeah, but I feel like that's not it. Damn it. Yet another idiom that someone's going to have to send me on a DM. <laughs> I hope that everyone's listening is like screaming, <laughs> screaming what you're trying this. to figure out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, she didn't just like, um, you know, drop you like a bad habit. Right. Uh, this is something that she came to as organically as she could yep. with the knowledge and experience that she had at the time. And you were there too. And you wanted something different than she wanted, period. That it Don't think about it as like I was... Um, wrong time wrong place no this is the right place for you guys this this is the right timing for you guys this is how you met and there's nothing we can do to change that so that's what i mean by rewrite the narrative or or take control of it you you had little control over how she entered your life or when and 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 how she left it too Mm -hmm. what you do have control of were your actions and you it sounds like you were a really good partner to her during the time that she was intimate with you. Absolutely. And, and it's and it sounds like you also could recognize that she wasn't giving you what you needed and you decided to yep. to say like this isn't good enough for me and I I can't be part of this relationship anymore. Right. And it's hard to move on from someone that you love mm-hmm. or have feelings for her or see hope in. Right. Um but I promise if you if you do the head and heart work to move on, it it actually like I don't even feel like I should say this <laughs> to the podcast, but like it actually sets you up better for getting together in the future. Yeah, do you agree? Mm-hmm. Like doing the work to be like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to bed. I'm gonna work on myself. I'm gonna move on. You will be a more well rounded person. Mm-hmm. You're. Any future relationship you could ever have would be more be- well balanced. There Absolutely. wouldn't be the power dynamic going along. Yep. Um. Like the the echo of the rebound. Absolutely. And I think also like what I what I don't like about the concept of the rebound is that it then like becomes a very prescriptive thing. So, like in this situation, she is the one that learns stuff about herself and then gets over her ex, and you are the one that has been used and abused. Right. right? But it's not true. Every relationship brings different dynamics into it. Every relationship offers us things that we can learn from. And just because she was the rebounder and you were the reboundee doesn't mean that she gets to walk away with everything she needed and you don't. Right. right. You also get to learn from this experience. You also get to cherish the love that you had and remember those moments fondly. And don't let the idea that this was just a rebound diminish those good things in any way or diminish right. you in any way right. or the things that you've learned or the the feelings that you had. Right. Exactly. Um, we have a couple tips about how to move on from something you still have feelings for. Mm. Number one, sorry to say it, but <laughs> hashtag black, 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 black. Oh, it's true. And uh, here's a perfect example of the black, black, black method in which you're not in which 
they aren't like a garbage can of a human and you and you want to talk to them. Yep. There's like a there's something I call a soft block <laughs> <laughs> in which you mentally say, I'm not going to look at their Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to text them. And if they text me, I'm going to be cordial and I'm but but pretty non-responsive. Yeah, or you could just block them and then not have to respond to them at all. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> because the reason why we do a block or a soft block is because when people bounce back into our lives, it tends to, to put us backwards, right? Like yep. it, it undoes all the months of rewiring you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, you don't need to be what comforts her, Dave. She doesn't need your comfort. No. She doesn't she took want enough, it. She took enough of your comfort, right? Right. Right. So we would say a little soft or hard block. Yeah, I'm always for the hard block. <laughs> Listen, when um, that person texts you and your brain starts like freaking out. Right. Not a, not a fun place to be. Right. Uh, you can also do the fun but awful um, reminder to yourself uh, or comparison to yourself of what was real. Mm hmm. And what was your idealized fantasy of that person? Yeah, for sure. Because the real thing was she didn't treat you that well. Right. Right. She might have treated you she might have treated you fine, mm-hmm. but somebody who treats you well wants to be with you and is invested in your life. Absolutely. And finally, like it's okay that you loved her and still have feelings for her. It's okay. It you is. can say, I, I acknowledge this love. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge this love. This love is real, but I I'm gonna love myself more. Yep. Absolutely. Dave, we we hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you. We love you. All right. Our last letter of the episode comes from Ariel Mermaid from Los Angeles, California. I see what you did there. Yeah, do you think that her real last name is Mermaid? I fucking hope so. <laughs> All right. Ariel writes, I am a 22-year-old female who has been in a monogamous relationship for five years since I was in high school. Well, to start off... He is my first real relationship. He is the person I've all, I've had a real connection with, opened up to, and also lost my virginity to. We started off so good. He was my best friend and lover all in one. After two years, I started to find out some things like him lying and deleting messages with other females. Before any of this, I had trusted him with my whole heart. But after finding out about these shady things, I started to become jealous, very jealous, or in other words, insecure, as he calls it. To start off... What? what... I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I forgot about that part of the letter. Yeah, okay. Are you all right? Yep. All right, I'm going to continue. I hope I didn't blow the speakers. (laughs) (laughs) To start off, what had got me to be untrusting of him was that he had screenshots of another female's pictures in his phone, where he proceeded to make the excuse that his friend sent it to him and he was just looking at them. We all obviously know that you don't have to save any pictures in order to look at them. I let it go, but after this, I became very jealous and watched for any bad signs. Now, throughout the years, I have found some deleted messages with some girls that he's tried to hide. And that's plural because it's happened about three times. And his excuse is to blame it on me because I am too jealous and don't let him have girlfriends. I understand that I have become jealous, but there have been there has been various times where I have told him how I don't like it when he lies or hides things from me. I'd rather know the truth than be lied to and find something out later. He knows this because it has been a constant argument. Well, recently we have been through the cycle again, and I've just about had it. I told him I want to break up after five years of dealing with this and letting so many things slide. I just feel like he doesn't want—he doesn't make me feel secure or shows me the love I want to be shown. He doesn't try to grow and change things to make our relationship better like I have. 
He told me I was too jealous. I stopped telling him things. He said I went through his phone. I stopped doing, I stopped myself from doing it. I've done it about three times a year, unlike every weekend. I don't let him have girlfriends. I, I don't let him have girlfriends. I stopped bugging him about certain girls. Like, I feel like I have done my part in bettering myself, therefore bettering the relationship. But he doesn't listen to my concerns or wants, although I've never had a doubt in my mind that he loves me because I know he does by all of his kind gestures he does for me and my family. I just feel like he doesn't give me words of affirmation or physical touch. And I just can't let go of all the things he has done to lose my trust. I just can't help but feel like I want to be with him and know, and I don't know, uh, and I don't want to let go of the five years we've spent together. I don't want to start over with someone else. We both want, we have both talked about family, marriage, and our future, and that's what I expected out of this relationship. But to top it off, he's the only person I've ever sexually been with, and I've been diagnosed for this past year with genital herpes. I wasn't his first, and I don't believe he knew he was infected. When I had my first outbreak, he was so supportive and made me feel so much better when I felt like my world was falling apart. He promised he would be there for me no matter what and that he wasn't going anywhere. Anywhere. After I found out, he went to go get checked, and we were taking any and all precautions. Since finding out, we've had a healthy sex life, and there's been no restrictions between us. But I can't help but think, what if he cheated on me, and that's how I got infected? But he swears he had never had any symptoms. The doctors say it's very common STD, and most people get it young and don't even know they have it. I've been able to live and deal with it because I know I had him, but what will I do if I ever have to date again? I know I'm stupid for letting so many things go and dealing with this inappropriate behavior and looking dumb and disrespected in front of people. But how can I start over when I have this STD and this person I am in love with and saw my whole future with? What do I do? Do I start over? How do I deal with this breakup after five years together? How do I go about dating again with my condition that I have to live with for the rest of my life? Oh, my darling. Thank you so much for writing, Ariel. This is... uh... There's a lot of things in this letter that yes. I think um, are coming up. And I know how overwhelming it can feel to have so many different things be happening to you at and the so same time. so much investment. Absolutely. So much time, so much energy. Um, it's a lot. And yeah. and I think Sierra and I both relate in a lot of ways to, to those feelings. Yeah. I'm going to hearken back to something I shared in one of our first episodes. Um, and it was something really radical to me, Ariel. Um I'm going to first I'm going to do the TLDR thing mm-hmm. um, and and give you the short Sparknotes version of what I'm going to tell you to do. <laughs> OK, great. And I'm going to tell you to just break up with this man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that without laughing and uh, without a joke, because I know how incredibly painful that will be. Absolutely. But I'm going to try to explain it with as much grace and compassion as I can. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start by sharing this little anecdote. Um, I heard once on a, on a, in an affirmation like meditation that you can spend your whole life digging a well, searching for water. Mm-hmm. And you can dig in one place and dig and dig and dig and dig, searching for that water, searching for that goodness that you know is there. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you could look up, but who wants to look up after all that work? You could crawl your way out of that tunnel, but what if you're only one scoop away from the water? Mm-hmm. What if you're only one shovel away from the goodness that you know is why, why you started digging in the first place? Yep. And what I want to say, Ariel, is that 
you've been putting all this time and energy into this one well. And it, I know it was good, sweetie. I know it was good at some point. But at, at this point, you are too far deep to see what the difference between like the worms and the dirt and the garbage and the un, uh, the inappropriate, unforgivable behavior is. Yep. Right. And don't get me wrong. It's hard, especially when you're young, not because you're young, but because this is your first love. You guys are figuring out how to be close, how yep. to be intimate, how to love, how to trust. All of these things you are figuring out together. Yep. And the first time I've done anything, it was a hot fucking mess, girl. <laughs> like the first time I cooked, I burned something, right? The first time I painted, it was not a beautiful picture. Yep. The first poem I ever wrote was fine. <laughs> uh, it was Can terrible. I read it? <laughs> um, and that's because we learn, we learn, we learn by doing and we get better. But it's 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 hard to try to get better when you're so far down in the ground, when you yep. can't see the sky. Yep. You can't tell the difference. And and I just want to say to you, just because you've been digging for five years doesn't mean you don't deserve the air. Yep. Right. That doesn't mean you don't deserve a clean start. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that 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 Sam and I want to attack in this in or or, or approach in this letter um, is the idea of how, how do you fix something that's that feels really unstable and really broken um, so deep in it? Like like mm-hmm. can you can you can you get out of the storm mid storm? Right. Um, and we're not blaming you or calling you broken, um, but but you wrote out to us this long letter about all the ways in which your relationship has grown unhealthy. Yep. Right? It's not healthy for him to hide texts from you. No. It's not healthy for him to uh, to accuse you of being over-emotional and needy when you're insecure about behaviors that he caused you to be insecure about. Absolutely. Right? And at this point, we're we're kind of wondering... Are you too young to put so much work into this love that is inherently sick? Yeah. I'm not saying that you don't love him purely. I'm not saying no. that your love isn't 100% pure for this man. But you keep saying, like, you don't want it with somebody else You and you want it to be right. But what about this is right? Mm-hmm. And why— and why wouldn't you want it with somebody who could do it better? Absolutely. And that's that might be a little bit of tough love, but I think I've been in your shoes and so many listeners have been in your shoes in which we're so invested. We can't tell what we're missing out on. Yep. And I, I mean, I think there's it's a bigger there's a bigger conversation worth to be had about how can you fix a relationship that has so many broken patterns and yep. broken trust and and. And it's it's built upon this brokenness. Like, can you go through and fix the house if the foundation is cracked? Absolutely. And I think that um, I think that you can. I mean, I think that people have issues with with breaches of trust, with infidelity, with all of with anger and fighting. And there are ways to to do it. Like, there are ways to get through that. Um, but one of the key things in that type of of situation is that the partner who has done the the thing that has caused the breach of trust has to show contrition like has to ask for forgiveness and mean it and has to acknowledge the hurt that they've caused and not just be like 
aren't you over this yet? Right. Right. And that doesn't feel like it's present here. Right. It doesn't feel like he has has given that to you. Right. And that is something that you need in order to feel better and in order to build that trust. And so at this point, like, I don't think he's ever going to give you that. Right. And I and I don't think that you alone can turn the ship around. Right. And so now the question is, do you abandon ship? Right. Do you try and find something else or do you just keep riding into that storm that's going to that's going to tear you all apart? And don't get me wrong. This is going to hurt like hell. It already hurts like hell. Absolutely. You, What I hope you heard when Sam read your letter is how much pain this quote unquote love, you know, like love worth fighting for is causing yep. you. Yep. And you wrote about how this is a real connection, and I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But I also want to say it is your only connection, mm. meaning this has been your only big relationship, and you deserve to 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 have more, yep. to to work harder, to try something else, to to be treated better, to um, explore. And I, I am not, I'm not in the school of thought in which like people out of high school can't meet their soulmates or, or, or can't, you know, like marry their partner from high school. Like I'm not, I don't want to discredit again. I don't want to discredit young people's experience that way. Like, um, but at the same time, Ariel, it sounds like you have been digging this so much that you're not even paying attention to the fact of whether you want the quality of the thing that you have. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about how he's good when he is good. I'm talking about every day, the full scope, the full look at this picture. How is he all of the time, not Mm -hmm. just on the good days and not just when it was great? Yep. Because it doesn't sound great anymore, honey. And, it doesn't. And that's so painful. And and untangling your life from someone who you thought you were going to build your life on is one of the most painful things you will ever experience. And I, and I can't lie to you about that. Yep. I can't lie to you about that. But the world up here, up in the air, out of that well, it's clear and it's empowering and it's kinder. And I promise you it gets better. Absolutely. I think I do want to talk about the STD yes. thing, and I want to um, just get rid of that shame. Yep. Like I, STD shame is not is so ingrained in all of us, but STDs are just infections. Right. They are just things that we pick up. Like yep. I have herpes on my mouth sometimes, right? right? Like. I, you know, have all sorts of things that I have picked up. I've gotten the flu. I've gotten bronchitis. I've gotten strep throat. I've gotten pink eye. Yeah, go Sierra, fuck yourself. Sierra gave herself pink eye twice. In both well, eyes. It was only once. It was only once. Oh, I see why you think it was twice. Yes, it was both eyes. <laughs> At two different times. Um, but I just want you to know that there are so many people in this world who are walking through the world with uh, an STD. And are wonderful people, are clean people, are people who are um, doing great work, having great sex, meeting great people. Like there is nothing inherently wrong with having an STD. And also you are going to find people out there who are open to that STD and are not going to judge you for it. Right. It is not a death sentence. It does not end your sex life. It doesn't end your dating life. It is perfectly, perfectly okay to be walking through this world right. with an STD. Absolutely. 
And you don't have to settle for this. No. You don't have to settle for this anymore. Absolutely not. We love you, Ariel. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you. All right. So this brings us to the blind date segment, uh, which is the portion of the show where we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. Our blind date this week is... A cool little trick I learned on my cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) It's called texting. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Okay, so I talked about in a past episode that I went to like a mindfulness retreat and um, something I was taught um, in one of the workshops was by, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he runs this company called Break the Twitch. Mm. And um, he def- he's local to Minneapolis. You can find out that on Instagram. They have a podcast all about mindfulness, uh, minimalism, and creativity, and how to apply all of those things to our lives to mm. be more productive, more happy, more well-rounded. And I really responded to everything um, that, that he was saying. And to him, the twitch is the the false comfort we go to when we feel uncomfortable like when we sit in when we when our friend goes to the bathroom and we uh, automatically pull out our phone because yeah. we're uncomfortable mm-hmm. sitting in silence by ourselves yeah right instead well, wouldn't it be a, a really like powerful thing that your friend comes back from the bathroom and sees you fully engaged and ready to continue in that conversation right mm, yeah um, and how often do we pull out our phone because it's just muscle memory right yeah, for sure. and that's the twitch is that like when we feel uncomfortable we need to fill it with something and um, so I so one I suggest is podcast but two uh, something that I definitely took out from this that I want to share like in a real life tangible way is everybody can go to their phone I don't know about any androids yeah but um if you have an iphone you can go to your settings and go to your screen time and right below uh your screen time where it tells you uh how much time you spend on the phone and it breaks it down it shows you downtime app limits apps allowed etc and on there is a way to set a limit for specific apps you want to use. Like if you want to be on Instagram only for 45 minutes a day, you can set that limit. But more importantly, you can set your downtime. And what I did was I set my downtime from 6 p.m. to 11 a.m. because I have a really bad habit of rolling over and looking at my phone, checking Instagram, checking Just Break, Just Break Up Pod, Instagram, things like that. And I just don't want to start my day like that because, you know, I'll check an email and then I'll never respond to it because I didn't intend to respond to it. I was checking my email, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so... If you go down to the the thing that says always allowed, you can you can designate which of your apps are always accessible on your phone. Like for me, it's the weather app. It's my right. um, it's the uh, Audible's app because yep. I want to listen to Audible all the time. Yep. And it's my GPS, things like that. Um, and your te- and your messaging app. Um, but everything else for me is on is limited from uh, basically. 11 a.m. I can use Instagram until 6 p.m. And I did that because that's when I work and I use Instagram as a working tool. Right. 
I really love this because if there's an emergency, like, oh, man, I got to put something in for just break up, you can just mute this for 15 minutes. There's right. like a pause button for this thing. But it really cre- helps to create some friction is the word that the guy from Break the Twitch used. Create some friction between you and that Twitch mm-hmm. so that you have to work harder to get it. That's Another great. example he used was like if you want to use less paper towels, put a rubber band around it. You can still get to the paper towels, but you have to take the rubber band off. Right. Um, and I just thought that was a really effective tool um, for more mindfulness, more pro- productivity. That's great. You showed it to me and I started using it. It's really cool. And and, and I really wanted to share it on um, Just Break Up because I had no idea in all this mindful work that we do. I had no idea that I was on my phone this whole time. Yeah. Cool. I would like it if there were two, like you could have two separate downtimes. For weekends, right? Or just like, because I, I'm like, I want to be able to access my phone like between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Yeah. And then I want to be able to access it in the morning. Yeah. But from like noon to 6, I don't want to be able to do it. Mm, but yeah, that's really good. That's just called self-control. <laughs> <laughs> that's <Awesome>. funny. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. Um, you can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com which is also where you can find our Just Breakup merchandise. Uh, please leave us a five-star rating and review on uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Also consider uh, uh, supporting us on Patreon. If you support us for $5 a month on Patreon, you will get an additional bonus episode every week. So $5 a month, a new weekly episode. This literally helps us keep the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing by Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, it's okay sometimes to feel sad and angry and frustrated and disappointed that things didn't work out. It's okay to acknowledge that pain. It's even okay to still have feelings for what caused you that pain. But remember, you deserve nothing but infinite happiness. And that happiness lives in the future. That happiness lives in your heart. You just need to access it. You deserve to wake up and remember that this is your life and this life is what you make of it. Breathe in, breathe through this discomfort, and I promise it gets better. And if all else fails... Just break up.